Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, podcast friends, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, the host of the Uncharted Podcast. Hope you had an awesome week. Mine has been a little indifferent, a little uh, baffling. I don't know what you would call it. Had an adult tooth removed uh, in the back where you can't see it, so when I smile, my grill is still pristine. But um, had to cut it out because it was embedded in there deep very dense and my mouth feels like I did a little bit of boxing with Mike Tyson a round or two very sore very aggravating using a lot of mouthwash um, just not a very fun experience and to add insult to injury the tooth fairy does not leave cash for adult teeth was very disappointed by that I made an effort uh, nothing good there on my part but anywho, great podcast this week. A uh, very awesome collection, collaborative of guests. We have comedian Desi Alexander, who will be coming here locally to Zany's Nashville on January 12th. We have Australian songstress Katie Cole. She's got a new song called Hands Tied. Check it out wherever you listen to music. Last but certainly not least, we've got Paul Leary of the Butthole Servers. Very excited to talk to him as um, when I was a young man, uh, the song Pepper came out and was everywhere where you could listen to music at the time before social media. Uh, became a fan of the Butthole Surfers because of Nirvana. Uh, he's got a brand new LP on Shimmy Disc, and the first song he's released is called Born Stupid. And it is out now for your listening pleasure. Uh, with that being said, let's get this podcast started. And thank you once again for listening to the Uncharted Podcast. Here we go. First on deck this week, stand-up comedian extraordinaire Desi Alexander. Great conversation here. I look forward to seeing him and make sure you get your tickets as well. Zany's Nashville, January 12th. Here we go. great hilarious desi alexander with me on the phone uh first and foremost happy new year thanks for taking the time um you tell me yes. i was gonna ask you what you got into and it sounds like you had a pretty good time yeah yeah we had a little hangover party at, at the crib with the kids and everything and it looks just like that and i just you know how you don't clean up at night you just like i'm gonna clean up tomorrow now i'm yeah. it. now I, I got a job ahead of me so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hear you uh, well at least at least you had some fun and you know, did some safe stuff, it sounds like. Um, so anyway, I saw you were going to come to Zany's Nashville, January 12th, and I'm based out of Nashville. Uh, first yes. of all, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, do you like performing here, or is this your first time? Or Absolutely, man. Love, yo, man. Let me tell you something, man. You know, some cities make you feel like you're from there, and sometimes you feel like you, you get more love in certain places more than your own town. Nashville yeah. is definitely one of those places, man. Um I first came there with I can I've been there I think three times, two times with uh Jess and one time with Country Wayne and every time I came, man, it was nothing but love. People was, was you know, I ain't never been somewhere where people grab you and hug you and, and they automatically like, No, I get your ass over there and grab grab me and to, to make sure I show them like some physical love. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. 
No, I hear you. It's, uh, you know, it's one thing great about the community here uh, in Tennessee is that, you know, it's that fine southern hospitality. You'll see people kissing with a mask on around here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Just rubbing faces. <laughs> but, yeah, um, when I was watching your videos and stuff and, and on Instagram and everything, yeah, I figured you'd fit in here pretty good. You, you're you're, uh, you're like the style that, you know, uh, fine folks around here gravitate to. So I was going to say, you way, love man. glad to have you. And, and I saw that you oh, yeah. were hilarious, so that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But what's so interesting about your story, one thing I like is that you you were a school teacher, a school teacher and a high school teacher. Uh, how did you go from molding young minds to you know making people laugh? I, I just I'm so, so curious to know. Oh yeah, man, it, that that uh, I, I became a you know a, a teacher as like way after comedy because I used to work at uh, I was in sales. I worked at Sprint. Uh, I was in a Sprint store, just you know slaving away and and ruining my life, just feeling depressed. And then once I got fired from Sprint. Uh, one of my friends was like, yo, every time kids come in the store, you always just gravitate towards them or they always play with you or you always keeping them calm in the midst of all these things going on in the store. You should try teaching. And I kind of snuck in the back way. You know what I'm saying? I was already, you know, back and forth in school. So I uh, became a substitute, you know, and um, one of the schools that I was at, uh, I was subbing at, uh, they, they was like, you know, you only been here a week and the kid, everybody in here loves you, so we would like to hire you you know, separate from, you know, whatever company you work for to stay here at the school. And then I was at that school for four years, and um, that, and then I was just also a mentor, but that transition from just being a sub to a teacher was dope. So, and I've and I always been a comedian. I just never told my students. I never let them know that. Sure. <laughs> That's awesome. It always, mm-hmm. it always amazes me the people that, that teach because you have to have a special level of patience, tolerance, Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a frontline nurse or a doctor to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't yeah, man. do it. I, I barely raised a couple of them, but, you know, I always <laughs> my hats off to a good teacher, man. Yeah, man. It, it, was, it was definitely an experience, man. Like, it's it's harder uh, uh, holding the attention of a bunch of kids versus a bunch of, you know, te- adults at a comedy show. So, you oh, know, that comedy show was nothing compared to them kids, man. They, they're attention span. We do it in seconds. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. What what was more difficult, like bombing on stage or teaching high school kids? Because, like, when you bomb, Man, dead air. But Teaching is just like, just imagine, like, because when I have a, as a comedian, you prepare your set, you write it out, you practice it, you get get it prepared all night, you know what I'm saying? You go to the show, yeah. it works a certain way. Even if it don't work, you got to, you know what you can chip at. With, with students, I taught, I taught from pre-K to eighth grade. Man, and then you gotta imagine practicing and, and going over your your lesson plan till like two o'clock in the morning, getting in and a fight break out in class. <laughs> so now you ain't even, you got towards you got nothing done. You didn't even get the you didn't even get your lesson started. You had a you had a PowerPoint presentation. You had ditto sheets to hand out. None of that got done. So it's just like now I gotta do this. I gotta do this tomorrow, hopefully. Because now I'm just playing. I'm like a prison guard right now. I'm just being a prison guard. So yeah. <laughs> I uh, I got a couple of friends that teach, and, and they tell me, you know, and, and not only on top of that, but, you know, there's those days where you have uh, the parent-teacher conferences, and everyone on them's got a different opinion or a grievance. Uh, oh, my with, God. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, it, it was it was definitely a lot of parents that uh, had their <laughs> issues, but a lot of them, a lot of them was cool with me, man. Like, I was the only, you know, male teacher at the school for, for some time. So it was like, after a while, they understood me. And I just had like a look about me, like, man, look, let me take some of your child. <laughs> and they'd be like, all right, nah, I ain't going to let you go there. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. but yeah, it's just so many different tricks and so many different 
strategies to, to really uh, manipulate them to get them to learn. Like, well, I had one fight that broke out of my class. I got nothing done. I was so mad. I had a PowerPoint presentation ready, but the, the projector wasn't working. And kids can smell when you ain't got your stuff together. They can they they, they see you not looking at them like oh, I'm and for some reason before they got to my class, it was like I'm we gonna fight Miss Desi class. They, they, whatever other class they was in, they said we gonna wait till Miss Desi class. I'm gonna whoop you behind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and then I go to try to fix the projector. The projector was not working. I started sweating. They could see I was nervous. It was like oh, yeah, Desi, Desi don't know what he's doing. So they waited until I turned around and a fight break out. I, I, I had to unplug my laptop, bring, um, bring up the fight, try to fix the laptop again. Another fight broke out. It was just like a prison riot, the whole class. And then I didn't know how to control it. Then another teacher came in and pulled out this little, this little raggedy little branch with feathers hanging off of it and beads and held it in the air. And everybody sat down. I said, where the hell were you 20 minutes ago with that dance? I was so mad at her. But it, was some, it was like the little silent stick. It's like a little branch. We had two feathers, and everybody got quiet and sat down. And she passed the branch to some little boy. He was like, I don't like it when you call me names, Brian. And he passed it to the little boy. And the little boy was like, I, well, I don't like when you yell. I was like, give me this, give me this branch. <laughs> yeah, I was so mad that day, man. But, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing nowadays because, like, I, I remember when we used to fight back in my day, and I'm gonna, I'm obviously going to date myself, but we'd go somewhere and hide and try to get it in. But nowadays, man, they got can't, they got like, phones out trying to record it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you better, so you better win. You better win because yeah, if it. not, you on the, you on the Internet. Yeah, I tell, <laughs> we, we, I tell my kids now, you know how they got us to calm down? They pull out that paddle with that hole in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, you about to get popped, yep. <laughs> yeah. that, that was, I, I had a gym teacher. They had a wiffle bat, and he used to hit us with it. And it was a little Jamaican. Uh, it was, my Jamaican teacher, he had a wiffle bat. He would take us in his office and beat us. And it was normal to us. And my parents was like, what you do to get beat? So I was scared to even tell my mother if I got popped. But, yeah, <laughs> it's different now. You you even yoke somebody's child up, you're you going, you going to jail. Yeah, Back in yeah, the day, these teachers, this teachers was really hitting us. They was, they was really putting their hands on us, man. Different different times, man. Different times. Yes, man. I'm, I'm at the age of my life now where I can say that. Well, back in my day. Yep, it feels good. You know, we got that seniority now. But uh, thinking back, it's like, it's thinking back, you're like, damn, the teachers could have, they really could have went to jail. I was, I was getting hit with a bat. <laughs> and, that was, and that was normal to us. We was like, man, look, I ain't going to tell my mom because I'm going to get in trouble for getting hit with it. Nowadays, it's like, why did you put your hands on my child? My mom was oh, like, yeah. no, what you do? What did you do? Yeah. But, yeah. Even 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 bumping into one of them or something. But yeah, yeah, that's what I would get at home and then get another whooping if if my mom yep. was in the food. So yes. <laughs> it's like you better have your story together cause <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You better have a you... good alibi. <laughs> yeah, man. Cause oh. we 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 were sneaky, man. We we found a way to unlock the uh the girls' locker room. It was like a pathway, a hallway going from the boys' locker room to the girls' locker room. We broke in there and was running through the girls' locker room, terrorizing them. And we got we got beat with the bat. We that we earned that beating. You know what I'm saying? He made, he made us put our hands on the wall and beat us with the bat. And then we left yeah. out of there laughing. But I was yeah. like, I'm not telling my mother. Because if I tell her I got beat, I got to tell her why I got beat. <laughs> so. Yeah. My, uh, my, I remember my principal in the middle school had a little study in his office with a mirror in it. Mm-hmm. He'd make us go sit in front of it for like five minutes <laughs> and think about what we did when we come to Wolf Us. It just starts to stop. Man, the torture, man. Yeah. You just stare at yeah. yourself like I'm really I'm really messing up in life. I need to I need to get my life together. <laughs> <laughs> like you just staring at yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but uh, I wanted to tell you while I was on my mind before I forget. Um 
Mm-hmm. Here in Tennessee, obviously, we're Titans fans, and I don't know if you know him or not, but you should definitely link up with him on, like, Instagram, Dr. Kevin Dyson. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Kevin Dr. Dyson? No, man. you got to touch me his information. We'll check this out. Uh, he's on uh, he's on Instagram, I, I'm, I'm sure, but he you can reach him on there. Anyway, he was the wide receiver that ran in the Music City Miracle for the Titans and was in the Super Bowl. You know how they lost by mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He's a principal now at a middle school. That's his job. Wow, I had him on the pod not too long ago, but I just think that'd probably be a good guy for you to you to mesh with, like when in town, because oh, he's, yeah, he's super awesome, dude. He's such a great guy. Yeah, man, that, that's part of why I wish uh, schools was open, man. Because I would, I would, you know, when certain cities I go to, sometimes I go to their schools. Like cause a lot of teachers, you know, follow and support me, and they always ask, like, can you just stop by my school and talk to my kids? And I would just stop by there and give them a little inspirational, you know, speech, and you know, just do a couple exercises with them and kind of shift their view on school. And then he really enjoyed being there. So that's how wish school was, was still in, man, you know, so. Yeah, it's always yeah, like, info. I remember a few years back, the comedian, his name's Felipe Esperanza. You may or may not know him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know I know Felipe, yeah. He, uh, he'll he go to, like, these camps where these kids, you know, these juvenile kids or these ones that are acting up, they got them out, you know, and he'll, he'll go, mm-hmm. go to them and talk. So I always think, you know, that's really, really good kind of trying to get them, you know, back in line, I guess. Yeah. Cause I know it's I know it's important, man. Cause like from the outside looking in, sometimes a kid saying somebody that actually is pursuing their dream, giving you a formula to go by, they like look at it like, wow, this guy really is, you know, yeah. telling me that it could work if I do it this way and that way. You know what I mean? Cause sometimes you don't even be the teacher like they're just my teacher. You don't really take them serious. Yeah. You know? So yeah. It's important, man. We gotta take care of these kids. Cause if it's not, they're gonna be running rampant. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Yep. I, I was looking at your bio and something about like your dad named you after Eddie Murphy bit or something. Can we talk about that? That was oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I found that out in uh, well, it was in twelfth grade. I found that out because um, everybody in my family, uh, my immediate house, all the boys are named after like after like one of my uncles and one of my grandfathers. Like my brother, his, his uh, name is Paul. His middle name is Paul, um, but he's named after my granddad and my oldest brother. He's named after my father. And I asked where my name came from. And I was feeling, I was doing this little survey and getting the support done for school. He was like, yeah, I was watching Eddie Murphy Delirious. And he <laughs> he did a joke about Desi Arnaz. And that was, that's how I got your name. And I was like, you lying. Because I asked my mother first. She was like, no, he, that's he telling the truth. And I went and watched it. And he does a joke about Desi Arnaz. And it came out in 84. So that's, <laughs> but yeah, I was born. So he really got my name off of a bit. <laughs> Yeah, like, because when I think Desi, that, that's the first thing I thought, Desi Arnaz, because you don't hear that name very often. And then I saw no, yeah. Eddie Murphy, and, and that is that is so cool because, um, I mean, I like Eddie Murphy. I remember, see, I'm 38 right now, and I remember when uh, my granddad first let me watch Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live. Of course, he thought it was funny. I shouldn't have been watching that. But, like, once mm-hmm. you get a hit of that, you're like, man, this is worth yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And you don't even, so like, cool. as a kid, you don't. As a kid, I used to I used to like really be interested in comedy, but I was like, do I gotta? I feel like I gotta fill out some, some paperwork, or I gotta be a part of a group or something to be a comedian. But yeah. I always watched it, I always studied it. But once I once I like really realized like it's happening in my city, but it's such a small, small, small little avenue to get there. I was like, I'm gonna just take it and go go for it, man, and just see what happens. That's it. Yeah, because, man. Um, you know, being being from Music City, I can play music, and I have attempted comedy but let me tell you on both ends of the spectrum to me the true art form and comedy has got a leg up because if you miss a note when you're playing music there's a few other people there trying to pick you up but if you get on stage and say mm. nobody likes that's it it's you 
Yeah, you, you, you're alone. You're all alone. <laughs> so you, you, it's like if, you, if crowds can smell that, they're like, oh, you don't know what he's doing. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you, you polish that joke, and you're like, man, this is hilarious. You're laughing at it. You're like, this is right here is going to just mm-hmm. murder. It's going yeah. to kill. <laughs> yeah, it's going to kill you. It's like, <laughs> nope, it's not going to kill anything but you. It's going to kill you, so uh, don't ever say it again. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't know that uh, they had like a. Uh, I didn't know comedy clubs even in Baltimore, bro. Like I started when I was like twenty three, twenty four, and I was at a restaurant with the girl I was with at the time. And I heard laughter upstairs at the restaurant downstairs, and the comedy club upstairs. And they was telling me uh, somebody was like, "They know it's a comedy club, um, comedy factory above the restaurant." So, and they having like a, a comedy contest. You can actually go up there and sign up for it. And I was just like, "All right, whatever." And I just kept eating. And the girl was like, "You should try it." And I was like, you funny, you know, anybody I know, so you should go up there and try. And then I signed up, and I just remember telling the first joke I, I said landed, and the whole, it was one of them jokes that the whole crowd was laughing. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, uh, there's nothing like at, it. At, and it's funny because I got eliminated from the contest because I was up there too long. I was enjoying myself too much. Flashing the light. They, uh, they, <laughs> yep, it was flashing the light. I was like, that, that means I'm doing good. I ain't cool. So man, yeah. when I was a kid, I started telling all these, you know, jokes, and they was like, "No, you got eliminated because you went over your time." And but the host was like, "I'm gonna bring you back just because you're funny, man. But you gotta understand, you know, timing is is important with with, with comedy, man. You really gotta home in on it. How long you been doing it? I was like, uh, "Today." Like, oh, that you didn't even okay, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I uh, yeah, you when you get that 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 roar of laughter like an applause break or something to me in my personal. Mm-hmm. It, there's no, there's no uh, feeling, no drug, nothing that'll get get that nah. relation in your body. It is insane. Nope. I would, I would, I would always tell people don't. If, if you if you're in a relationship with a comedian, don't ever try to compare yourself to a, com- <laughs> a comics craft. Yeah. You can't. You will lose that battle ten times out of ten. You are outgunned and outmanned. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen will always choose comedy. I've seen yeah, I've seen guys on Facebook and on social media like they'll be like, "Man, can I please get a ride to this open mic?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yep. like they're trying to sell cheeseburgers or something. Yeah, hey, can I get if, yeah. Like, please, baby, come on, man, I need a ride, man. Yeah, now, if you did want it, they'd be like, "I just gotta go." Yeah, I'll do anything, man. It's after seven o'clock. <laughs> What the, show, the show's in 10 minutes, man. Please, man. It's like, yo, yeah. you really got to know, man. It's, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly yeah, bro. And that's what you I can't even, like, I can't explain it, man. You know, and and I'm blessed enough to be, you know, doing it at the capacity that I'm doing it because I've always done it for the love of it, man. So, and I yeah. feel like I'm blessed to be able to do this, man. So, yeah. And I'm, a, you know, I'm just a solid fan. And then... Not only do you have your own tour, but the name of it's perfect. Tired of adulting. I like that. How did that come up? How did you come up with Man, that? I was already swirling around with ideas of what to name it. And um, a guy with a clothing brand, he uh, saw my set. And just like a lot of the stuff that you talk about is just so like it, it lines up with my brand and how you how a lot of your jokes are just perfectly lined with that saying because it's a lot of stuff we all are tired of, but that's like perfect. You know what I'm saying? And then once I get on stage and talk about it, everybody in my age group is just really always in tune with, with what I'm talking about because we have totally understand it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, once I made it that, man, and ran with it, everybody was like, nah, bro, I got to see that. So, yeah. Yeah, great name. Great, great name. I, I love that. <laughs> well, hey, man, one more question. Like I said, I know you got some things mm-hmm. to do and, and everything. And this is just I want to be educated on it because I've, I've mm-hmm. never gotten to the level you're at. I've done a couple, you know, little – 
charity events and small time stuff, but I, you know, I know, you know, as a headliner, then I saw, you know, where you featured with Jess Hilarious, but like mm-hmm. when you're doing a tour and I know it's usually like three people on stage, there's your MC, your feature, mm-hmm. your headline. How do you pick mm-hmm. the people to do what? How do you pick, like, this is my MC, this is my middle person? How, how, how does that happen? I'm just curious. It's, it's the vibe of it all. You know what I mean? Like, some people have a knack for certain things. Like, my, my feature and my and my host, are two, three, we, we all have the same issues, but we all could talk about it in our own way. Yep. So it's like you know how somebody reacts to uh, being a host, being personable, being able to, you know, bring a crowd in, being able to connect at a different level. The feature is the one that kind of, like, goes the alley, the one that, you know, is, is quick and just makes sure he – Warms him up and gets him ready to to throw that to throw that love for the headliner to come and smash it. So it's really just a vibe, man. And, and plus, the people that you feature and, and have had with you got to be people that you're really comfortable with. You you know their style. You know you you all are just it's, it's, it's a constant passing of positive energy between you all. Like when I started off with Jess, um, I used Jess used to watch me on stage when she first started before she got really big, like big as far as like stand up. Um, mm-hmm. I already was doing stand-up, so she always had, like, a respect for me when she would go to the open mic. That's why I've always respected Jess because even though she was a big social media craze, she was like, I'm going to put in the work and do as many open mics as I can because I know I want to do stand-up. And, but she used to always pay attention to me for some reason. Like, the open mic, she used to always come to the front row and watch me. And I said, you know, talk to her every now and then, give her pointers. And then once she really hit big, man, she, she always was like, I'm going to take you with me when we go and I go on this tour. And the first time I did a show with her, she was like, can you do half an hour? I was like, man, I've been waiting to do half an hour. You know, so once I went up there, featured for the 30 minutes and brought her up, the energy that I brought, you know what I'm saying? And she was like, I want you to do that every night, every show that we do from here on. You're on every show that I'm on. She like, I want you to do that every night. And that, that, from then on, man, it was, it was on. That's great. Um, the reason I ask is because I'm a study of, of comedy. I, I love it, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and the reason I ask, I've never asked anybody, but it's because that's the same uh, perception I've got as being a, a, a you know audience member. Is that it feels like it's a like a platform, like kind of going up in an elevator, like it elevates each artist and mm-hmm. that pop at the end. If it's if it's if it is uh, done correctly, you know, not that I'm an yeah. expert, I'm just saying everyone. No, no, but you still study it, so yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I just always want it because, like, you know, you'll see people like yourself who will do these awesome tours, and then, uh, you know, you'll catch them somewhere else where they'll be featuring for this one or doing this. I know there's a whole pool mm-hmm. of people that do it. But I was always kind of mm-hmm. curious, like, how it was picked. But I, I can see how that would make sense uh, make sense because you want it, you know, you know, like, bang, boom, pow. You know, just, mm-hmm. I don't know how and to it's do like it. people that you, <laughs> and it's like people, yeah, it's like people that you know uh, are fit for that, for those moments. And they've been waiting for the moments, and, they, and they're really good at what they do because there's so many different types of, of styles of comedy. A lot of people, comedy's don't speak on this, but there's so many different styles of comedy. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. You got the, you got the people that just do one-liners. You got the people that do riddles. You got the people that, that have musical comedy on stage. You got the people that just riff on the crowd. You got your storytellers like myself. You got your, you know, your, your, your real ratchet, you know, grunt, grunt, gritty comedy, yep. your observational, political there's so many different types of comedy, man, that, you know, you just got to pick the right people for your vibe that know that actually will fit to your audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I love every type of comedy, but if I were to bring somebody with me that was just doing a whole bunch of, you know, Trump jokes and stuff like that, people yeah. probably would be kind of off-put 
You know what I mean? Where though people know the, the, the name of the source side of the dog, they know that we'd be coming to hear some stuff they can relate to. You know what I mean? Like they, they would feel comfortable with that. But and not to say there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you just got to be vibe. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm I'm with you. As a person, like I said, I really respect the craft. I, I just, I just, you know, wanted to be knowledgeable. I see exactly where you're coming oh, yeah. from. Reason mm-hmm. being is that about five or six more stimulus checks, I think I'm going to open a comedy venue, so... Okay, oh, yeah, I, I, I figured, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make sure we hopefully, hopefully get that 2K. Hopefully he, he go out with a bag and get him a $2,000, man. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be up and running, man. Yeah, I'm going to get my own club together. <laughs> and I got to figure out how to, how to run things right. But uh, anyway, Desi, yeah. anyway, 12, <laughs> God bless you, brother. Yes. Jamie, Nashville, give everybody how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you before you come hey, here. Hey, man, of, of course, the social media, Desi Alexander on Facebook, Desi4018 on Instagram, and my website with all my dates is ComedianDesi.com. Hey, and my only and my only fans my my only fans foot page uh, I got a foot right now. Got a foot fetish. Right, hey, hey man, I don't ever judge. Got to make my money. <laughs> Pandemic is this rough, man. I got to make my money, man. I right, hey, I don't I don't ever judge your hustle, man. The great and powerful singer songwriter Katie Cole, her new song "Hands Tied." Check that out wherever music is available, wherever you listen to it. A very awesome, stimulating conversation. Katie is a brilliant person, not just in the area of music, but a well-rounded human being. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you enjoy this interview. It was a lot of fun. Okay, next on the Uncharted Podcast. Here we go. And let me just say, you have a lovely accent. Is that Michigan or Wisconsin? What are we dealing with here? Alabama. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I usually tell people. I'm like, I'm from the south, no, no, really south, like south of the equator. <laughs> yeah, 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 way down there where they claim that the toilets flush the opposite way. I think, right? Yes, yes, yeah. it's purely a claim. There's no science yeah. involved. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let's let's start out. We got so much to discuss, um, but I really appreciated you. You posted something today that a guy like me needed to hear, and everybody else, the Mother Teresa quote. You know, everybody's arguing now, and it's making life so difficult, but you just put, like, a little thing about being kind, and it just uh, changed the whole trajectory of my afternoon, so thank you. I appreciate that. I Actually, I did that thing like everyone kind of does, which is, like, you write out a post, and you make sure it's all word perfect, and it's long, and it's meaningful, and then you're like, nobody needs to hear this. Like, there's enough rhetoric out there that I just kind of dialed it back and just went, just put the quote out there and just... Remind yeah. people just to be nice, and you know, this we're yeah, obviously this is a challenging time in America's history, and I just try and hold on to the things that brought me to America, which is really the, you know, the amazing opportunities that you can have here. Um, I've been, you know, so I've been so included in so much stuff. Like people have been so nice to me since I've been in, in the states, and I just try and hold on to that and remember that, you know, whatever people believe in and politics and all that stuff, like it's it's not who you are, it's just something else that you, you know, maybe you hold that in your personality, something you believe in or align with, but that's not really who you are. Like people, you know, I've met so many great people that I think we can get through this. I agree. Well, that, that what you just said is right on the money. And, and, and that's me, you know, I try to stick to what I love, which is music and entertainment and the arts. And, you know, there was a time when we could all get along no matter what we think. And, uh, you know, what you said was there, everybody needed to hear it because it seems like I'll turn around and, you know, there's an artist I like or somebody and they're like, you just 
bashing another group of people, and it's like, let's just let's just love everybody. Let's get back to just enjoying everybody. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's hard because like one day you might wake up and feel one way, and then another you you know another day you wake up and you're like I hate everybody and everything. And, uh, but yeah. you know that's humanity. And like I, I tra- like I've traveled a lot. I've been so blessed um, to be able to travel and see so much of the world and meet so many people. And like I'm one of those people that tries to, you know, dr- tries to do something new in each you know, each city or country that I'm in and at least have a conversation with somebody, even if they're foreign, just try and have new experiences so that I have lots of interesting and diverse memories. And I try and hold on to those things in my mind of like, you know, all in all, people are really similar. Like the small things are the small things and like we can eventually get past them, I think. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, But I've just seen so much. I've seen so much beauty and, and, and... I suppose compassion and just just random people being nice to each other or to me and I've just gone you know that those are things that I hold on to and again like I I I remind myself pretty forcefully to remember those good things that so that I don't become one of those people that's like everyone's terrible <laughs> yeah exactly everybody I don't want to go out the door I I will give you a compliment though you were really humble to be as talented as you are I mean you've delved into a lot of stuff and you're well grounded I I wish I could be like that. After I do interviews like this one with you, my head swells up. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. I, I mean, honestly, I've just, I've, I mean, I haven't achieved, you know, the level of success that, you know, so many of the people that I've, that I've worked with, like, you know, obviously, you know, the Smashing Pumpkins and Glenn Campbell and, you know, I've just, I've worked with so many people that I look up to them and I'm like, wow, that's like your real star. You've, you've achieved this, you know, empire of success. And I'm just, I'm really lucky enough that I'm able to come along for the ride and sort of aid in that experience or be a touring musician, whatever it is that my role is, or be in the studio and sing on someone's record. I'm lucky enough to do that. I'm still building my personal empire as an artist. And it just gives me confidence. And I'm just grateful to be where I am. That You know, there's a million there's a million super, you know, more than a million super talented people out there. I'm just lucky to be where I am. Yeah, I mean, and you're and you're talking about these people, but they chose you to go along with them, so that just uh, speaks for you. And um, being a drummer as I am, and I'm actually about to have a reconstructive so- shoulder surgery, so I'm going to bass. Whoa! To be in a rhythm section with Jimmy Chamberlain, who I, he and I had the same drum instructor. That's just amazing in every sense of wow. the word because he brings his A game. That's crazy small world. Yeah, uh, Charlie Adams. He he plays drums for Yanni. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Did you did you always know that you have the same instructor? Is that something you found out down the road? No, that's actually what sold me on Charlie. I um I've been playing drums for about four or five years, and I'm about to date myself, but uh, uh, several years ago, uh, right after high school, there was an ad in the paper for drum cymbals. And, you know, when you're starting a musician, especially a drum set, you know, anything you can find reasonably priced, you you know, you pounce on it. So I I called the ad, and the guy answers the phone, and I go to his house, and it's Charlie Adams. He invited me into his home, into his studio, and he starts showing me some licks that still to this day I can barely play. And he was like, you know who Jimmy Chamberlain is? I was like, um, yeah. And he was like, yeah. yeah I talked to him. I'm like, I'm sold. I'll see you next week. Just, just let me know when I need to come. <laughs> Man, that's that's crazy. Jimmy is an exceptional musician. That's 
that's really clear. And, and when I first was brought in to um, play some bass on the first couple of tours with the Smashing Pumpkins, obviously it's extremely, you know, it's terrifying playing with people that you look up to, but also people that are just, you know, he's a monster of a player. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And here's, you know, here's me on bass just, just going, just don't mess it up. Sure. yeah. <laughs> no, no, just doubt. really, really great player. But they're such nice guys and super professional and the songs are so interesting to play that it's always a pleasure to be brought along with any, you know, for any tour. And again, I've played bass, you know, with them and, and the last couple of tours it's been keys and I was, they always throw me in to play guitar or something on a song here and there, but... I really see myself as like the side musician. I'm a vocalist, like that's that's really what I do and I think that's been my biggest addition probably to the to the lineup that um yeah, playing any sort of songs with those guys is just yeah, amazing. Yeah, um well, since we're on the Smashing Pumpkins right now, I will tell you something that um hearing you sing and everything, one thing I'd like for them to do, obviously my opinion doesn't matter, but like do you remember when they did Zwan and they had Paz kinda like singing alongside Billy? Yeah. I think the way you sing would compliment him. I think hopefully maybe one day if they haven't already, you ought to do a couple of songs where you and him are kind of singing together, like swapping. swapping well, we've done that on we've we've done that on tour a few uh-huh. times, um, like on, during live shows, uh, like on I think it was the 2015 tour and the 2016 tour. Billy was having me sing. Um, we hadn't seen a couple of songs lead, but one of them was um, "Stand Inside Your Love," and he was really. I was singing and he was singing along with me and that was that was kind of us singing together and when Billy's done solo tours and um, has had me along as a support actor, I've sang, you know, a couple of songs with him too. I think we sing really well together. Um, I think he's an exceptional vocalist. I know some some people, like, even interviewers have been like, you know, is it hard to sing with him or whatever? I think he's, his range is monstrous and what he can do is something that nobody else can do. So I think it takes a more skilled vocalist to find the place to sit and support what he does and not step on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really what I've really learnt to bring to the picture, to be um, somebody that can sing with him and learns how he, you know, how he moves into notes and how he comes out of notes so that it just becomes a fluid vocal thing and not someone singing on top of him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. No, I totally that's understand. Really that's that's really what I always sort of strive to do, and I think that's yeah, that's it's always a challenge because especially someone like Billy, like he'll change songs. Like even if you're playing like a tour and it's you know the same songs throughout you know the tour, he still may you know change the way he sings a part. And like I have you know I'm constantly playing that listen and respond sort of situation where I, I might hear him start a different consonant, like a different word to what he's supposed to sing, and I'm like oh he's gonna sing this verse instead of that verse, okay. <laughs> like, sure, I'm yeah. doing that thing of like a quarter of a second into it, I'm like, oh, I'll just sing that verse with them. <laughs> That's awesome. And um, you're uh, you're an excellent pronunciator because, like, I really enjoyed the Hands Tied video. And uh, great job on, uh, I, I read, I guess you did your own styling. I mean, you did a good job. Um, <laughs> well, I did, but, but I might, I still have, like, hair and makeup people that help me because I, I can't draw all that stuff on my face on my own. That takes some skill. <laughs> That's like with me. I'm I'm trying to grow a Duck Dynasty beard, and I cannot trim it by myself. And I'm looking right in the mirror. I just I'm not blessed with that gift. You will get there because we're still in the middle of this pandemic. So this time, it's time for you to achieve those goals. 
That's it. Um, but um, back to back to Hands Tied, uh, which it is a great video and it's a great song. Um, I love you are excellent at pronouncing words, and and I pay a lot of attention to that because I'm a hillbilly American here from Tennessee. And the way you said Laurel Canyon was perfect. It was crystal clear. It just stuck with me. I like uh, it is Laurel Canyon, right? Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I remember hearing Laurel, but the way you said Canyon, I was like. You and Don Williams, to me, are two people that pronunciate perfectly when they sing, and I really, I really appreciate that in the artistry. Well, I, I appreciate that in the sense that, like I, I mean, I grew up listening to like literally every artist under the sun, everything from obviously the Beatles. Like I got sort of the best out of the, you know, the Brit rock sort of scene from the Beatles and Stones right through to you know an American soul and not so much country music, but like I listened to like a lot of be a lot of everything <laughs> yeah but sure what comes with the territory with being Australian is obviously the, the English and the enunciation and part of I suppose I, my favorite classic singers and even like what I what I really learned to love the most about people like Glenn Campbell was that you can listen to them sing a song and you can understand like there's so much respect for the lyrics of a song and even if they haven't written the song there's so much respect for the song itself that mm-hmm. you don't want to, it's like disrespectful to not pronounce a word properly. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got you. So it's finding, like it's difficult for someone like me because I didn't grow up with like that level of precision in singing, but you're mm-hmm. listening to all those greats and every little word is crisp and clear and, you know, what's the, I mean, to me, I've learned, like what's the point of laboring over songwriting? And, like, I do so many rewrites on lyrics and songs just until they're exactly what I want them to be, not just like here's the first version of something, but here's the best version of something. I think what's the point of laboring over it unless somebody understands what, you know, what on earth you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And with Glenn, uh, I understand he, he has perfect, or he did have perfect pitch, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, yeah. He, his his pitch was pretty amazing. I yeah, think he, I've, I've, I'm supposed to have had perfect pitch. I was tested when I was a child. Well, me and my sister both were. Um, I'm I'm not sure if I am perfect, like because I haven't been tested since, and I'm uncouth and untrained in just about every capacity as a musician. But I just I've I've learned so much by ear, and like I, if I think about a note long enough, like I could tell you what note like a C is or a D is, and it's just from my years of, um, I suppose just playing live music and playing so many covers that you'd learn. Like there's certain songs that are in certain keys, and your brain will remember the key, and then it, then it transfers to your brain, and then comes out your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, it's a bit complicated, you, but yes, yeah, incredible <laughs> singer, Glenn, Glenn was. With that being said about your family, that was another thing. Um, was music heavily encouraged in Australia or, or in your home? Because I've never been there. I want to go one day, but it just seems like it's it's so far away from like where you come now like are there a lot of people there that are trying to do what you're doing like uh you know come over here and get in the music industry whether it be Nashville or LA or something like that well I suppose so like I've always followed sort of my own path I mean everybody everywhere is trying to do something exceptional that's my assumption Australia has um has a great support structure for um business and some level of entrepreneurship which is really where music falls into when I was there and growing up I didn't really see uh, too much of an outlet for how I could get my music across so it was always one of those things of like well I ended up 
of playing live music as my job and writing songs for other people and yeah. not really having too much of an outlet for my own creativity until my producer um, in, that was in Los Angeles at the time contacted me and was like, would, would you come over to America? And, like, I've always read liner notes. I've always, I always knew that, like, my, most of, if not all of my favorite records were pretty much all recorded in California. Yeah. And I, I suppose it was one of these things when you when you grow up in a different country, you don't think, well, I'm just going to go to America. I'll just go to America one day and just be a sure. star. Like, you know, yeah. Australians are pretty down to earth. And yes, it's really far away. And yes, we're like almost a day into the future. Um, so rest assured, even if you're having a bad day, it's it's already tomorrow in Australia. <laughs> so you're fine. I love that. Um, but it is one of those countries that it's a it's such a good like I'm I'm obviously Australian and love it and I'm biased like I'll put that up there right up, right up front I'm very mm-hmm. biased I love Australia it always feels like home it always feels um, safe and comfortable and people are nice and the food's good and things are ta- you know things are taken care of like healthcare and stuff like that like it's a good yeah. country to be in so I never strive to necessarily get out of the country because it's good why would you like you don't think oh i'm just going to move countries but once i actually got out of the country and moved to america and started obviously touring and traveling and like so many opportunities sort of opened up to me because i was not necessarily in australia but i was in a you know what i would consider to be a competitive world city which at the time was los angeles but that could be los angeles you know, Chicago, New York, London, doesn't matter where you are in the world, there's a handful of cities that are kind of key, you know, key cities for anything big business or big entertainment. Um, You don't really think of, you know, the cities in Australia as entertainment cities. You think of them as, you know, multicultural cities and, you know, Mm -hmm. great quality of life cities, and that's definitely what they are. Um, But most, obviously, most people in, in entertainment in Australia have left to pursue um, bigger goals and may have come back and to, to move there or live there, but you kind of have to get out, you know, get out of the comfort zone literally and go yeah. and pursue what you, what you want to do. And, you know, it's challenging and hard and it's, you know, being away from family and friends and all that stuff is very, very difficult. Um, but like the sacrifices that you make in anything in life are often worth it and, for me, they have been. It's very challenging, and obviously, right now, it's a very challenging time. But I'm, I'm again, I'm grateful like, that I took those those first couple of risky steps to move and to try new things. Um, I do suggest you go to go to Australia one day. It's far away, but yeah, you know, right. Well, the only thing that worries me is that um, up until a few years ago, I, you know, every time I think of Australia, it's, you know, it's the kangaroos and the and the, uh, you know, the um, koalas and all the nice people and the wildlife. But now that I know there are spiders there that are like 30 feet tall, I will probably have a heart attack and die. <laughs> um, because I, I run away from the ones that are like you couldn't see with a, a, you know, a magnifying glass. So I couldn't imagine being over there and have like a Bigfoot spider like pounce on me or something. No, it's fine. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, like anywhere in the world, there's going to be a few Nazis here and there, um, yeah. you know, but for the most part it's fine like unless you're like in the jungle or in the bush somewhere uh-huh. yeah there's a few suburban things here and there but most of the cities are just, like they're real you know they're, they're <laughs> cities like melbourne has whatever almost three million people and sydney's like three and a half million people like it's not like yeah it's yeah it's not three and a half million you know people and 
seventy-five billion spiders. Yeah. You'll be fine. Just yeah, don't it's... touch. Just don't play with them. You know, don't invite them inside. Don't no, you know? No don't, give them, with don't give them access to your phone. You know, you'll be right. <laughs> yeah, because I don't have Paul Hogan's phone number for him to come save me if I'm out there. <laughs> um, A lot of people tell me that though about the spiders and creepy though and I'm like, ah, oh, it's fine, whatever. You just yeah, it's, it's like I said, that's so uh, weird. Yeah, that is one of my biggest phobias, and I don't think I could survive it. But other than that, I'm, I will definitely put that on my bucket list before I leave uh, planet Earth. Uh, well, with that yeah. being said, let's. Um, you know, you're talking about your music and having to make do. I know you've got an awesome new, uh, new uh, album coming out soon, as far as I know. But what I really like is that you've done something different that not a lot of people are doing, and you're doing themed concerts. I wanted to know what prompted you to do that because that's definitely keeping it fresh and interesting. Well, I mean, obviously, when we had our initial shutdown in um, pandemic world in 2020, which, as far as I know, was at least 15 years ago, (laughs) 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 but it just felt like it was such an abrupt shutdown for live music and touring and all that stuff, and I had so much much, um, touring and shows booked in for the year, and, and I was sort of watching... I was really watching what the market was doing and watching what friends were doing. And so, you know, a lot of people like, you know, everyone going live on Facebook and Instagram and every, you know, every hour or all the time or every day or every week. And for the first couple of weeks in March, I was just watching what everyone else was doing. And it was like, okay, that's what you don't do. (laughs) You don't don't react and just go live because your fans, if you don't give them like a pleasant, emotional engaging experience from the get-go um or if you don't do it pretty promptly within like one or two shows people will get bored and move on because obviously once shut shut you know being shut down also means being shut in which we all were mm-hmm. which means that your only communication pretty much with the outside world was through a computer or through your phone so if that's all you've got then you're very limited in your attention span and if you are on one of those networks like Facebook or Instagram, it's very, very easy to be distracted and go, what's someone else doing? Scroll up. Yeah. <laughs> sure, switch yeah. over. So I, I decided to take the concepts I was doing off <laughs> off the grid, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah. um, well, not off the grid, but on, onto a, um, a site called Stage It, which does, you know, they host, you know, concerts. And I've, I felt like their bandwidth and the way that they handled because sometimes, I don't know if you, if you experience it, but when you watch other people online, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, sometimes the quality of sound and pictures really good, and sometimes it's just god-awful, and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. So that bothered me immensely, because if you're going to bother to put on a show, like put on a show, learn songs, do whatever it is, and try and sound good, but if, if everybody's on one site at one time, it sort of, it sort of slows down the... Um, the bandwidth for the site itself. So sometimes you can be, if everyone's on Facebook, like it was literally like yeah, a billion people on Facebook, it can affect the way that it processes the data. Like, because there's only, you know, they've got, you know, whatever they're all billions of smart computers that are processing all this data. We get that. But they aren't perfect. So yeah. sometimes you can be trying to put something out there that sounds good and it will sound terrible to everyone else and it's not your fault. So yeah. I moved off. I moved off to stage it for for the sound reasons as well as the fact that getting outside of 
um, those major social networks, I thought was a smart idea so that there's less distraction and it will feel like a concert because it's not like if you paid money to go see a concert, even if it's two bucks, five bucks, 20 bucks, I don't care how much you paid to go see a concert, you're not going to get half a song in and go, I'm going to go to the fridge. <laughs> you know? you know? uh, yeah. Or I'm going to go, you are invested. You're now invested. Yeah. So I figured, take them off the grid. That was step one. The next step was, you can't just play all your own songs all the time because I'm not, you know, I'm not the people that I've worked with. I'm not Billy Corgan. I'm not Chris Christopherson. I'm not, I'm not of that ilk. I, I'm, I'm working on it, but yeah. there's only so many times that I wanted to sort of shove all my music down people's faces. Mm-hmm. I just thought, well, I'll start with my shows, you know, I'll do a couple of my shows and weave in a couple of covers. And then it sort of dawned on me, I think it was probably by it was probably by the second show, you need to do something different. You need to make these shows uh, unique, special, and involve the audience. How do you involve the audience? Requests. And so I thought rather than just requests in general, it became, well, let's do themed shows. Let, let me do like an 80s show. And then I you know, made sure that the requests were all coming over to the chat wall of the event so they weren't just spread across all the social networks with me trying to find you know, someone's request on Twitter and trying to tell them to go to this other site because then you may get all these requests and these people don't even show up to the concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So, um, you know, I ended up doing theme stuff that was like 80s, soul, you know, ladies of music. I think I, think I did ladies of, yeah, ladies of song. Um, I did 80s part two, 90s movie songs. Um, I just I just made them really sort of random and broad but focused enough that we could have fun with um, 60s I did. But just really, and 70s, just I just, I don't know, just so that we could all have a different experience and, you know, I, most of the songs were pretty sort of common songs that people were requesting, but I sort of filled up, you know, the gaps of where, you know, a request or two were missing from the entire set list. And I just tried to make something different, something, and while I'm playing, because, you know, like, like you can with some of these other networks, but with Staged, I can read the chat feed while I'm playing so I can see what people are saying, even... And and they put you know they do a bunch of clap emojis and I'm like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my that's my audience right there. Yeah, I can't hear them, go. but I can see them. But yeah. it's it just I just created this um this vibe and I'm I'm still continuing on. I've got to set another date for for this month to do another show just because people crave like people that love music don't don't all of a sudden go, um, oh I'm good now. There's a pandemic, so I'm just going to not like music anymore. It doesn't really obviously it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so and I want to keep it going and again keep it fresh and I'll, I'll continue to do some more theme stuff. I might throw in another like you know full you know Katie Cole show of just my songs, but mm-hmm. I like the interaction and I like people being I like people being weird and, and like the last show I did at the end of the year was um, Guilty Pleasures. Just all the songs that like I hate this song but I sort of love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Just to keep it fun and light because, you know, it's so, there's so much serious news and obviously it's continuing into this year that if you can just take a break for like half an hour, an hour and just relax, listen to some songs, chat, weirdly chat in the chat room amongst friends that aren't your friends or maybe your friends, but 
we all have something in common. I don't know. It just it feels like a real. It's still even though it's not a real concert. Like I plug in really good sound and have good lighting and stuff. But I just try and make it feel like it's a real event. Yeah, as much because, as possible. Uh, even though it, it it is and it isn't, but one thing I I particularly enjoy about them is that, like you said, if you're if you're watching the feed and you and you decide to you know pay in to a certain artist and and watch them perform and you post something on there and they respond to it, it's like well I wouldn't get that if I was at like the Skirmhorn Symphony Center or Bridgestone. I couldn't just yell hey, good job and then go oh thank you. <laughs> exactly. No, but exactly. I think that's even though it's not. You know, it's not completely a personal VIP experience, like because I can't see those people. But it yeah. feels sort of, it's I don't know, it feels very personable at the same time. Because you're exactly right, and I do respond to. Obviously, I don't, I can't read every single comment that comes up. But when people are asking me something or they're making a point, like maybe I'm playing a song that's from a movie, and somebody says something about like the movie or something, or yeah. something about the song or the artist or whatever, and. I can say that out to everyone else, or thanks to so and so for saying that. I don't give away, you know, through my shows too, and I don't know. I just, try, I'm just trying to keep it fresh because it's, you know, it's yeah. driving us all a bit nuts, being cooped up, and yeah. Yeah, well, I think you're doing a great yeah. job, and and just like you said, even though you don't answer all of them, that's what makes it unique and special. It's like when you go to a show and the drummer's throwing out some drumsticks. Not everybody's going to catch them, and that's what makes it so awesome. I actually, actually was thinking about that. It was actually um, on tour with uh, the Pumpkins last year. Um, Jack Bates, who is playing bass in, in the in the live shows at the moment, um, he he was like, "You need to have something to throw out to the crowd at the end because I'm obviously on keys now." And I'm like, oh, yeah. "I literally don't have anything to throw out to the crowd. To, like, what am I? I throw out a, a, a keyboard? <laughs> like, I just have a." <laughs> Like and me throwing out picks to the crowd makes no sense if I'm if I'm on keys. Like it's it's kind of weird. I suppose I could. I don't know, but it's something to think about. But well, yeah. I have a suggestion since you brought that up, and, and yep. it's an and it's an ode to your song Graceland. You know how you used to put on scarves and like take one off and scatter it out there. Yeah. I mean, not not the same thing. You know, maybe get like a couple of those bad boys, and every once in a while just take one off and let it just dance dance out there. You know, I don't know. I don't know, and again, once we actually kick back into actual live shows, like I don't know how different and strange they're going to be, yeah. knowing that what's going to happen with the world is probably going to, it's probably not going to hang around for a little bit, so maybe just personalized face face masks that are individually wrapped. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what I'm picturing. When, when concerts finally open up, at least for the first couple of months, everybody in the audience is going to look like Breaking Bad people. Hmm. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What happens? Yeah. Well, I'm not for suggestions. Yeah. yeah. Let's. Uh. You know, we kind of point back to the pumpkins, and I wanted to say you were actually on the Tonight Show, which is that's who I inspire to be uh, as a person, as an artist, and whatever. But uh, that had to be cool, wasn't that like a bucket list thing for you to to be on the Jimmy Fallon program? Oh yeah, I've had. I've had a number of um, bucket list things happen just as a result of being involved with the with the Smash the Pumpkins. I've been so lucky. Like, yeah, doing doing the Jimmy Fallon thing was huge, and like the year before, we got to do the. Um, yeah, obviously, it was in person in the studio last year. We did um, the late show with Stephen Colbert as well, and like each uh-huh. time something like that happens, I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no. There's no cool, calm, and collected version of me that's going, yeah, cool. 
I'm always in that bind where I'm like, oh my god. Have you all did the uh, Saturday Night Live yet? Sorry. Have you Have you done Saturday Night Live yet? No, no. That's still on the That's still on my list. But yeah, that's kind again, of... that's that's. I. It's funny. I don't really have. It, you saw. I mean, you sort of have. I mean, I've always had sort of loose bucket list checks. Like, oh, you know, playing an arena tour or playing this many people, you know, you sort of loosely put things out there to the universe, but like, you don't, I mean, I've never written out a list of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do one day. And I'm going to, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic about my career, but at the same time, I'm realistic about, like, I play Americana music. (laughs) (laughs) If I get to do like a decent theater tour on my own, it's just yeah. my shows, then I am set. I'm sweet. That's great for me. But obviously my association with um, bigger artists, I get to sort of, you know, vicariously live through, you know, live their dream with, with them. And I know I'm part of it. And obviously I'm adding to it. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe I get to do that one day. I don't know. But yeah. I think like, I'll, I'll definitely, like, that's something to aspire to. I'm just like, I'm so lucky to have this position and yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's not. I'm just grateful. No, no, I understand. And I was, I was going to comment on that because one thing that positively came out of this pandemic is that I, I've had this podcast for two years and I'm a complete nobody, but where I have been blessed is where everybody has been sitting idle. I have got to talk to some people I've admired a whole, whole lot and, you know, pick their brains and talk about music and everything. And one thing I've learned that kind of gave me education is that everybody you talk to, no matter what um, position they are in entertainment, how big or how small or in the middle, everybody has got their hands in more than one pot. Like this guy could be playing bass for so-and-so, but, you know, really they want to do, like you said, they want to be an Americana or they want to be an alt-rock or they want to be a producer. And that's just the beauty of it. We we live in a place where we can just have a variety. Like I, I like to play bass and I like to podcast, so I just do them both. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, like, I like that. That's really that's really interesting that you share that. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. I suppose it's just that that thing that people are all, you know, multifaceted. Like yeah. you know, you might see one thing in the exterior, but as soon as you look a little beyond the surface, you're like, oh, it's also this and this. Yeah, it's just like you know, a lot you know, you see a lot of artists that you know they like to paint. I mean, if you're if you're an artist or an entertainer, that you you it's in your DNA to express yourself, and you're constantly going to find new outlets to keep growing. At least in my opinion, I think so, I think so. And I, honestly, the the thing that I've tried to sort of share with other people, especially during this pandemic and during the shutdown, has been like my advice to other people, and my as is the same as my advice to myself, which is if you're creative, if you're an, a creative person. Like and you can't do or you can't do the thing you're supposed to be doing. Like create something else, or cre- or adapt and create something that's similar to that, or that works around that, or that adds to that, or you know, or just pivot. Like you, yep. your job as a creative person is to be more and imagine more than other people can. So that's you know that's really what I suppose that's really what creative people do, which is we create something out of nothing. That's it. You got you got to take something uh, that's not tangible and make it you know visual or you know felt whatever I don't know 
But yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being so generous. Um, let's let's talk about the new music you got coming out when it's available and how everybody can find you on social media. I was fortunate enough you just popped up through my thread, but uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and learn more about you, if you could discuss that for us. Well, if, if I don't magically pop up in your thread, then my all my <laughs> social media is pretty much uh, most of them are Katie Cole official, except for my Twitter, which is Katie Cole Music. They're all verified, so if there's a check mark there, then it's officially me. So you know that I'm the one that's writing all these weird things. Stay posted on that. And if you find my mailing list, which is probably on my website and some of my other sites, join it because that's really your best bet of finding out when I have new music or new shows coming out. And I'm not one of those people that, you know, emails like, hi, I've this, I'm so excited about the year every single... You're not going to get an email from me every week. You're going to get one from me maybe every couple of weeks or once a month saying these are the important things that you have to look forward to this month. Um, <laughs> I try not to be annoying because it always feels really personal when you get an email from somebody. Like having a message on Facebook or social media or something like that is is impersonal. But it, when you get an email from a mailing list... It, I don't want to get people to be, to be like that's too many unsubscribe. I never want to be that person. Yeah, yeah. My, but my, my favorite. But email. I want to have. I definitely want to keep my um, keep the fans that I've got engaged. Um, I will have some new music coming out probably. I'd say next month. I have. I probably have another single coming out. Um, but I'm always working on new music, and I'll, I will have another show coming up uh, soon too. I haven't set the date yet for that because apparently it's already it's already next year. And yep. I, I need to sort of work on the fact that it's not 2020 anymore. So that's that's what's going to happen for me. But, yeah. yes, I will have some music coming out soon. I am, yeah, and I'm always writing. Um, that's my job in this world, to make something interesting out of nothing, as I said. But um, thanks, yeah, thanks again for, yeah, reaching out to me. And, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you'll get a few listeners that will be like, that Australian was weird. No, they'll, be, they'll enjoy it. Well, let me just say, without you know, without embellishing or blowing smoke, um, I listen to a lot of music because I love music, and obviously having a podcast, um, I try to talk to people that intrigue me. And you know, sometimes I'll click on things, and like I said, I'm not going to put this on the recording. I'm just telling you, but sometimes I'll click on artists, and it's like, not well, they tried, but then you know, I, some people I dive into like you and and listen and really appreciate your artistry, and it's, that's the best part of it is that. You know, you got to take that risk and get in there because you never know what you're going to get into. You might find something that you can really gravitate towards, but you just got to go out there and find it. Totally, totally. I mean, that's part of the reason why I do, like, a lot of covers still on YouTube. I've got to dig back into that um, now, that, now that it's a new year. But I know that sometimes people may stumble across one song and then, again, go down the rabbit hole and find a whole stack of music that they weren't expecting. And I think that's... That's a wonderful surprise, and I know that people may not find my music first; they may find me via, you know, my association with other bands or the covers that I've put out there, and then they'll be like, "Well, what else has she got?" And that's really my, that's my, that's my fishing line into the world of like, you know, just take, have a listen to that, and you know, hopefully you'll be reeled in enough to want to find out a bit more. And yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I, I try really hard to put out sort of competitive music and songs that will sort of stand the test of time like that I really want people to whether they stumble across a new song or an older song of mine just to be like oh that's whatever that is that I like that 
Now batting cleanup on the Uncharted podcast, Mr. Paul Leary, guitarist of the Butthole Surfers. Got a new LP coming out on Shimmy Disc. Has the first song out, and you can listen to that called Born Stupid. That interview's next. Here we go. Okay, well, first of all, Paul Leary, what a, what a thrill to get to speak to you. I've, I've been a fan uh, almost as long as I've been alive. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Just I really love the new uh, uh, song, Born Stupid. I understand it's uh, like a shimmy disc reboot after 30 years, I guess. What, well, why now? What made you decide to do it? Oh, you know, I've just, I've just been busy doing other things, and over the years I've been recording some songs. And I, at one point I just decided I'd go ahead and try to finish up the songs and, and put a record together. And uh, I don't know why Shimmy Disc was, was out of it for so long, but Kramer and I are old friends, and started, I'm really glad he wanted to put my record out. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And and he's even played uh with uh, with the butthole service, hasn't he? Didn't he tour with you guys for a while? Or is he still touring? Yeah, no, there was you know, there are many times in our careers where we didn't have a bass player and uh he offered to play bass for us on a European tour, so you know, he, he like booked the tour and then we went over there and um at that at that time we were we were known as uh Kramer from Shockabilly's new band. And mm-hmm. uh and then, you know, we got kind of wild over there and built up a reputation, and that was that. That's how you do it. Yeah, right on. That's that's cool. Um, I, I, I love the music video. I love the vibe. Being a Nashville guy, you know, of course, that uh, alt-country Americana mix there, I guess, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, do you feel like – I know you're pretty proud of it. Do you feel like this is kind of like your mag, magnum opus, your signature LP? I don't know. You know, I'd, I'd kind of like to make another one, but I don't, you know, it sure. just depends on whether the songs drop out of the sky and into my head. That's it. Yeah, that's how you do it. What up? <laughs> uh, I was just curious. Uh, now, the lady singing like the operatic portion, is that a sample from uh, the Lion's Sleep tonight? No, no. And uh, that that was a, that's an instrument plug-in in Pro Tools. Oh, right on. And so I, it was. That was played with a keyboard, and I'm, you know, I had to go in and tune it up a little bit because it wasn't in great, the greatest pitch. Yeah, gotcha. I just heard the the, the operatic, and it made me. I was like, I think I've heard that before, and you know, it kind of reminded me of that. I guess it's a lady singing, uh, you know, that part in the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, who's that? Is that Frankie Valley? Who is that? The tokens. The tokens. Yep, that song is older than both of us, I think. <laughs> Boy, those were those were the days. No, I, were. I, I remember when that song came out. Yeah, uh, Analog, I believe, probably, I think, maybe the recording of that. Um, so uh, you know, with that being said about the song and the, cust- the country and western feel, what inspired that? Were you, like, listening to anything when you decided to make this particular song? Or, like, were you were you kind of grooving on something? Or, or what, what was the inspiration of it? It just, you know, I, I like to ride, uh, ride a bicycle around Austin. And yep. when I'm on a bicycle, stuff just pops into my head, and that just popped into my head, just, just the way it was. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a great vibe, and, and the video was cool. Who, who thought of that? The whole uh, kind of like hallucinogenic, and then the little uh, swirly thing going around and around. Whose idea was that? Oh, uh, that was that was mine. That's the first video that I've ever produced for anybody. Cool. I went and went out and downloaded a copy of Final Cut Pro and shot some video against a green screen and then went to town. Yep. 
Well done. Well done. Did a, now, um, as a drummer who's about to turn bass player, uh, I, I think I read Josh Freeze played on this album. What a great drummer. Is, it, is that the truth? Yeah, he's a great drummer and a great friend. Yeah, he's amazing. That's too cool. Yeah, I like him. I, I've seen him, of course, with The Perfect Circle. And um, living in uh, Middle Tennessee, we have a group called Paramore. He toured with them for a bit and, and kind of did a really good job. He kind of just fits in everywhere, really. Yeah, he sure does. I think he's been playing with Sting for the last few years. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah, after, after a 20-year stint with Devo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just one to the other. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. like I said, he just fits in where he where he fits in, he's kind of like uh, Eddie Bayer's here in Nashville. Just uh, you see him popping around everywhere playing. Um, now, did you add some uh, familiar songs to this LP, like some Butthole Surfer stuff? I did. I, I did uh, two revisits of Butthole Surfer songs, but they don't sound anything like the original. They just have the same lyrics. That's cool. I'm looking forward to hearing that. That's really yeah. Really the cool. uh, the Shaw Sleeps and Lee Harvey's Grave, as well as Gary Floyd. Those two songs are redone. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm beyond pumped. Now, uh, uh, you know, you talked about producing the, the video. I assume you produced the whole album. Are you producing anything else right now? You got anything in the works? I'm not working on anything right now, but this spring I uh, worked on, well, actually went through the summer and into fall, um, a double album by a new band called Spray Allen, which uh, features the, the bass player from Sublime, Eric Wilson. Cool. We go way back, and I'm always thrilled to work with him. Yeah, I just wrote that down. Yeah, I, uh, I've i always known you were a heavy hitter, but it always amazes me how many people that uh, are, are uh, you know, they're admirers of yours. Like, I was looking like like you 2 was in there, and um, Led Zeppelin, I mean, just what a testimony to your art. That's got to be uh, pretty cool when you find out, you know, people of that magnitude really like uh, what you're doing. I know it would be cool for me. <laughs> it's been a strange journey. I mean, uh Gosh, you know, working with John Paul Jones. Jeez, if you told me that as a kid, I would have told you you were lying. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, uh, I remember, uh, you know, reading that. And I was like, wow, how cool would that be? Like for me, I'd be kind. Of, you know, I'd be absolutely intimidated. But I mean, what a what a thrill and to have him enjoy your stuff. Of course, um, you know, being a '90s kid, I learned about you guys through you know Nirvana and um, just. Uh, took off from there and and i actually was on board before we got pepper but when pepper blew up um you guys had a shirt at the local mall that i had uh purchased with a, it had clowns on it they were like red and yellow and i was in eighth grade and i remember my teacher made me take it off i just thought that was a bunch of bullcrap and she was yeah. like it, you know just because it said butthole on it and she was like are you calling me a butthole i was like no you are a butthole but i'm not <laughs> personally yeah this is just the, like the greatest band in the world right now. <laughs> I just remember I was like, you know what? I'm going to fight this. And then she was like, I'm going to call your mom. And I was like, okay. So I went outside and sold it into the man. But I just thought I always wanted to share that to you. That was my eighth grade butthole surfer story. I've heard that story a few times too. <laughs> it was a great shirt. Like I said, it has little clowns on it. I mean, just, I mean, butthole isn't like the worst word that could be on a shirt. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Yeah. I've yeah. got um, worse. What? Well, well, that being said, when they're buying everything, and I was looking up some of your stuff, I saw you had a picture with Kurt. Do you have any cool stories you could share about him? Because I've never heard any from you. I, I you know, I just I've always been kind of interested to know what he was like as a person in his very short-lived life. Uh, he was a real nice guy. Uh, we post we post for that picture. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, it, I think it was backstage at the Oakland Arena. We we did the last. Uh, 
American shows with of Nirvana wow. up, up the West Coast, and you know he was real, real nice guy. He was very pleasant to hang out with. That's cool. Yeah, I just uh, I'd always see a lineup of like you guys, Nirvana, like the Meat Puppets and the Melvins, and like that's a bucket list that I if I could go back in time, that's that's that is the definite show I'd be sitting at or trying to be anyway. Yeah, and I've had the pleasure of working with the Melvins. Yeah, the Melvins are groovy. I, I saw them with Tool of all bands. It was a, quite a great mashup. This was a few years back, but I still liked it. <laughs> that's a that's a cool lineup. Yeah, very awesome. So, um, anything else you want to share with us? I appreciate you being generous with your time. Anything uh, you want to all uh, fifty of my listeners to get to know about? <laughs> I can't think of it except uh, I've, I've made a, another video for a, a second song off the album that ought to be dropping in a week or something like that. And okay. uh, looking forward to the album actually coming out on the the fifteenth. They started pre-sale a couple of days ago, and it sold out the first pressing within eight hours. No kidding. I was about to tell you, I get paid tomorrow. I was going to go get one of my own. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, also, uh, when will the next when will the next batch be available? And this is LP. Like I'm a vinyl hound now myself. Like as far as like records go. Yeah, I don't I don't know uh, I don't know how long it takes to order up another batch. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think they're they're going to do it in yellow vinyl. The first the first issue was red. This will be yellow. Cool. Folks, I want to, folks, I want to take this time to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast. You could be doing anything, anywhere, at any time with anyone, but yet you chose to listen to me yap away with some of the most interesting human beings and the music world, the art world, comedy world, entertainment world uh, that uh, planet Earth has to offer. So I want to thank you for listening because without you there'd be no point be no point in doing this Uh, it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it special thanks to my guest stand-up comedian Desi Alexander singer-songwriter Katie Cole guitarist and solo LP performer (laughs) I guess you could say Paul Leary of the Butthole Surfers a great lineup of guests this week Uh, I want you to have an awesome week Uh, things are going to get better let's just uh Take a little page from uh, Katie Cole's Instagram. Let's just stop focusing on all the garbage and just be nice to each other. There was a point in time where we could respect everybody for whatever we had going on. Uh, just take time to be kind. Uh, we'll get through this. We're America. Um, people flock to come here, and it's a great place. And we're on a little hiatus right now with some craziness. But let's just uh, let's just reverse it and uh, just be kind to one another. I uh, hope Ellen DeGeneres doesn't sue me for saying that. Uh, but anyway... Uh, thank you for taking the time and remember I love you for you and where you're at at this point in your life this is Josh Belcher of the Josh Belcher Uncharted podcast got Leo the dog here with me being very quiet I appreciate your patience Leonardo Um, have a great week and we'll catch you down the line alright adios amigos and amigas